Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all the things that we do at the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you are not already, you can become a Major Spoilers member. It's super easy by signing up at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Thank you so much in advance. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, Atomic Robo races into action against bugs, spam, and the remnants of the Cold War. The turtles morph, the rangers, kia, there's a new XO in town, and even cyberpunk science fiction madness has its thorn. All that, plus our usual ruminations, reveries, considerations, calculations, and planks constant. Flying down the highway, a-going to a show. Stopping all the byways, major spoilers on the go. It's a long way to the top, but at least we're heading out together. So the Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 868 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. So glad to have you with us. If you want to hear our thoughts on Lock and Key and Morrissey and so much more, you want to listen to the pre-show, and you can get that when you sign up at patreon.com slash majorspoilers. It's a good discussion. Anyway, let us jump into some news. This week, there are more movie and TV shows that have gone into postponement, some indefinitely, some for several weeks. You may be screaming, what about my comics? And Universal is moving movies to digital way early. Let's spin that wheel of destiny and let's see where we land. There it goes. It's Universal and many other studios are changing their movie release schedule. Now, uh, Frozen 2 wasn't supposed to come out for three more months, but Disney released that on their Disney Plus service uh, just last week. And uh, it looks like Universal is moving up the release date and uh, of some of their movies way, way early. In fact, The Invisible Man, uh, Emma, and The Hunt are all going to drop uh, on um, Friday, this Friday, March 20th. And so instead of going to the theater, um, now AMC and both, uh, I think, Regal Cinemas have both announced that they're going to be shut down until at least May. Um, but if you want to still see a movie, you can. You can see some of those movies. It's going to cost you $19.99 in the U.S. to rent it for 48 hours. Um, there, I'm sure there's going to be some other ones. Trolls will release on April 10th, and uh, some other things are coming out as well. But for people that really, really want to see the movies, and they want to support those movies, then here's your chance. And for me, uh, this is something that I've been talking about for over 10 years now, that they need to do same-day release or soon-after movie theater release for on-demand customers and they just need to find a price structure. Now, um, $19.99 to me seems a little bit low. Um, and maybe they're doing this because maybe they can afford to take the bite out of this. Uh, I was having a, uh, kind of a Twitter conversation with Jimmy Palmiotti this week who had said, or I guess it was last week, had said he thought $19.99 was a fair price. And I said, well, how long should the rental price be? And I had nailed the 48 hours. My thought was that I thought the studio should probably 
sell these tickets for closer to $40 because they don't know how many people might be watching this uh, together, number one. And my hope was, and I haven't seen anybody announce this, my hope was specifically because this is um, uh, health-related, uh, the, the coronavirus-related, I really feel like the studios should give a little bit of cut uh, of this of this uh, movie rental ticket price, this advanced uh, release, to the theaters to help offset their losses that they're going to incur because they don't have people coming to their theater. But it looks like the day has finally come, Matthew and Rodrigo, that... Uh, we're seeing movies, same day release or as soon as or close to release for people to watch the movies in the comfort of their home. What are your guys' reactions? Finally, justice for Steven. I know, finally, justice for Steven. <laughs> finally. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's not. Or, or rather. OK, so uh, if you're a future person and you're listening to this now, this whole thing revolves around uh, the COVID-19, a.k.a. coronavirus crisis of 2020, right? If you don't know why all of a sudden this is happening, you're not listening in from somewhere else. Uh, so nobody's going to the theater. The theaters have literally closed. Um, no one's allowed to go to the theater, like theaters are not allowed to open in the majority of the United States, if not the entirety of the United States at this point. Um, so um, it's it makes sense that they would try to recoup some of this money. And I think you can't control how many people, you know, in a movie theater, you charge per person. In a streaming situation, you have to have a different model. You can't. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You, it's like Alexa is not quite there to the point where she can spy on how many people there are and charge them each individually. Right. And that's uh, so why you I just thought, have to follow the streaming format. That's why I thought that $40 might be more in line because then you'd have four people. That's $10 per. That's about an average ticket price. Well, because people aren't going to uh, because the additional thing to that is that people aren't allowed to go to each other's houses. Yeah. So you can't true. get together with your friends and have a viewing party for the invisible man. Um, you have to watch it at your own house. And here's the thing. Uh, some people are like, I'm interested in seeing the newest movie. Mm -hmm. But some people are interested in seeing a movie that they haven't seen yet. Right. So if it's between, say, The Invisible Man and watching that Dar Parasite movie that everybody keeps talking about and they haven't seen yet, and you can now rent for $4, mm -hmm. um, why would you spend, why would you even spend $20 on a movie? So I would say that twenty dollars is a uh, is is a high price. I, I I understand why it's as high as it is, but I would say that a lot of people who would have gone to see see this movie and collectively had paid you know forty dollars altogether to have gone and seen this movie are not going to be willing to in a streaming situation shell out that much money where they can just go back and watch movies that are already oscar winners that they haven't gotten around to see well that's um, that's assuming that they haven't seen the movie yet seen those other movies yet right and i guess sure. that i guess what universal and disney and warner brothers because they're going to bring um uh, birds of prey to vod early um, yeah. I guess what they're what they're hoping is that there's still part of the monoculture that's still around, which, you know, we've talked about before in that. And I'm not sure Trolls is the one to. To be the to be that uh, water cooler talk, 
But certainly the Invisible Man, right before all this hit, people were like, oh, no, this is the Universal Monsters finally doing what they should have been doing the first time right, when they were trying right. to bring them back. And everyone was starting to see a bunch of hype being built on this thing. And then all of a sudden, the theaters are shut down and nobody can go. So, you know, the Invisible Man paying that 20 bucks for you and your spouse or you and whoever else that might be in your house uh, with you uh, to be able to watch that and then be able to have that that social media conversation um you know, or your, your Skype conversations, uh, or zoom or whatever that you're using for your, for your telecommuting. Um, that does kind of bring back that idea of monoculture and let us, let's all talk about the hot thing that's going on right now. So yeah, someone who sees limited value in being part of a greater, you know, conversation. I agree with Rodrigo. The 1999 feels pretty steep i mean we were going to watch uh the latest star wars i think it was this weekend but it was it was more spendy than i wanted to spend at that particular moment in time and i think it was only like 14.99 yeah but that's to own but, it that's not to rent it right but i'm just saying even to own it and be able to watch it theoretically limitless or you know until somebody folds and the drm goes away but I feel like 1999, to me at least, feels pretty steep because if I'm paying that much for a movie, first of all, I want it to be a movie that I really, really want to see. But second of all, I'm probably going to want to try and share that cost. And if I'm at a point where you know I can't have somebody come over and say, "Hey, Rodrigo, come over," we'll yeah, watch but you have, flick. but you have. So just you know, take take this into account. So for me and in in my family, if we were to watch Trolls. That's five bucks a person. That's pretty reasonable f and even cheaper than a movie theater price. You've got five people in your house. That's $4 a person. You have four people and a cat. Cat doesn't count. I mean, uh, yes, you're right. That is true. But mm -hmm. only when you think about it that way, because right. literally the right now, those movies are not competing with each other like they were before. They are competing with the ever-expanding constellation of things to do while sitting on a couch and having your PS4 plugged uh, that, that, that is like, true, but then that goes back to, you know, where where are people going to want to see a movie? And, if, and, and unfortunately, and I'm going to say this, I don't think any of the movies that Universal is releasing in this, they're not movies that I want to see. Now, people with kids who enjoyed that first uh, Trolls movie, yeah, they probably will plunk down the money uh, so that they can have some levity in this situation uh, so that the kids can watch that and have the fun. But none of these movies are ones that I really, really want to see. Had it been, had it been that last star Wars movie, had it been a, um, I don't know, something that I want to see blood, blood uh, shot that came out this weekend. Sure. I probably would probably be interested in dropping that money. I, I've said before that I'd be willing to spend $40 so that I don't have to go to the theater and mm -hmm. listen to all the the rabble around me. And uh, that, to me, would be a bargain. And $20 is quite the bargain for a first-run movie on day of release. Sure. Compared to, compared to what you would be weighing it against. Now, granted, we don't have anything to weigh it against because the theaters are closed. Right. But my my guess is that, and this was the surprise, is that the theaters haven't said anything about this. You know, the theaters haven't uh, said this is gonna, so, this is gonna, this is gonna break us or anything like that. So I am. Uh, you guys remember Movie Pass? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So after Movie Pass died, 
individual theater chains basically uh, picked up on started up their own sort of club like movie club idea uh or or system and i got a message today that through amc i will be able to watch movies like that first off they weren't going to bill me for uh the next at least the next month Mm -hmm, uh, because nobody can go to the movie theater so that's nice and second that through them somehow and i didn't sit down to yeah, it's figure like out amc how, director whatever it is yeah i would be able to basically stream those movies mm-hmm. so the theaters are doing stuff about it um but i think uh i don't know i don't know if they're moving fast enough or if because because at this point it's like the studios need the theaters Except now the theaters have been taken out of the yeah. equation. So it's like, do the studios really need the theaters? Right, exactly. So That's... right now they've gone from being like reluctant partners to being competitors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think this is going to be really interesting. And and really, depending on how the next couple of months go with some of these movies. Now, um, Black Widow was the one I think everyone was waiting on. And that one has been pushed. Um, I forget when the opening is that just came out today about the movies being pushed. But honestly, a lot of this stuff came down after that uh, Pixar movie, um, Outbound or Homebound. Onward. Or Onward, yes. Oh. Uh, after that really did poorly because of, of, the, uh, of the, the coronavirus, that, uh, that this, I think, really pushed the, the movie studios to say, oh, we need to get this out uh, and, and get this onto all the streaming platforms and charge this money so that we can make, up, make that up. Uh, and I, I think that what they're going to find out is after this is all done, depending on how many people buy into this thing, they may just say, yeah, we're just going to continue to do it. The theaters can continue to show them in the theater if they want. We're going to continue to do same day release. Uh, this is something that Soderbergh has has talked about even before I started talking about it. Uh, but the day and date release, I think, is going to become a very common thing for most movies. Now, there will be some holdouts. I think Steven Spielberg will be a holdout. He will say no VOD for my stuff. I think that uh, when you look at, um, I, I think he's, I think George Lucas isn't going to do anything, but I think um, in, in some cases, some of these big tentpole films, I think you will see the studio say, well, you know, for this new Batman movie, we're not going to do a day and date release, but for all the rest, I think we're going to, I think that's going to become the, the new norm after, after April, after May. Norm. Well, and, and we don't know, like we don't know. Sorry right. to. You're probably tuning into the Major Spoilers uh, podcast to escape to a certain degree. But the fact of the matter is that we don't know what's going to happen. Right, right. So this situation is still evolving. For all we know, what becomes a fix for now could become the new normal, could become... It'll certainly be a data point that they will use later. Mm -hmm. But as long as the situation continues to change, um, we can't... Uh, accurately predict what's going to happen. As we have seen, Stephen is good at long-term predictions. Um, but right now, I don't think any of us are equipped to say, this is definitely what theaters are going to do. I, I think this will be... Post-coronavirus, because we don't even know if there's going to be a post-coronavirus. Right. I, I think this, I really think this will be a, a new norm, is to see the day and date release. I think the theaters yeah. will say, okay, I think we can all agree that this is the way it's going to be. And the studios are going to go, this is the way it's going to be. But not for all movies. But I think that there's probably enough people out there who are bored on a Friday night right now who have probably already seen the Parasites, who have already seen all the other movies that have come out uh, yeah. that'll be like, yeah, OK, let's do this. And that's why some of the 
um, VOD releases have been moved up to kind of capitalize on on that situation. So I guess we will see what happens. But I, I just found that of all the things going on this week, and, and really things that are going on this week are kind of like trying to hit a moving target. Uh, you know, on on Friday, we thought that, OK, at my uh, at the university, we were like, OK, we can all make it through this next week. We have a plan to make it through next week and then we'll we'll switch over to virtual. And then Monday, we were like, oh, is everybody ready in case we're not here on Wednesday. And everyone's like, yeah, I think we're OK if things don't happen on Wednesday. And then Monday afternoon, they're like, don't come back. Yeah, I mean, literally that quick within hours, it was the decisions are are rolling and changing and, and things are, are changing. Your comic book stores may be closing. And I, I think that is something Wayne kind of talked about this week in his um, in his comics portal piece is that some of these comic shops are literally week to week shops. And if they have to be closed or they're forced to close for multiple weeks, that could put your favorite comic book shops out of business. Um, yeah. fortunately, if you are someone that doesn't care where you get your comics, there's still comiXology and other places. Um, but I think the landscape of how we enjoy our entertainment is going to be radically different. And that's why I think, um, uh, game publishers, uh, video game publishers made the right move years ago when you could buy that game virtually and just download it. So, yeah. um, day and date release of, uh, cyberpunk 2077. Don't even well, have to go to the store to pick that up. I'm just going to download so, it right to my system. So that decision was made because unlike movies, the majority of the time it's individuals right. buying a game, playing a game, even if they play it online, it's one individual copy of the game, which then they take and hand to their friend. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. every downloaded copy of a game is a copy that is guaranteed to not do that. Right. Um, you know, obviously there are differences. There are places where you have a five person family and they all play the game. There are times when you have like a roommate situation and maybe two people that would have bought the game don't buy it. But by and large, this has been a lucrative move for video games. Mm -hmm. But movies have always held out because it doesn't necessarily work the same way for them. They make that money from the fact that every person that walks to the door has to pay for that ticket. Yeah. And that's why I think the 1999 price tag is where they where they set it at. Like I said, I would yeah. have imagined that would have been much higher, but Jimmy Palmiotti says, no, 1999 is the, is the good sweet spot. And that's the studios listen to him. And then I said 48 hours and the studios listen to me. And so there we are. That's how, that's how we wound up right here now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that's where I think, honestly, I think that's where we'll wrap up the news this week. Uh, you guys can join in the conversation about these stories and more in our discord. You can join the major spoilers discord server for free. Or if you link your Patreon account to Discord, you can get access to more features. And that's at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Oh, yeah, definitely. Thank you, everyone, for your support. Let us do some reviews. And Matthew, how about Hello. you talk to us about the uh, Exo Mano War number one that came out from Valiant Entertainment, uh, not this week, but next week. That's I thought it was correct. pronounced Zo. I always say Exo like exoskeleton. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Zoe, Zoe Kravitz. See, that's the thing. I don't know. No matter how you pronounce it, Exo Manowar is the story of what happened if Conan became Iron Man. Uh, it's been that way for about 25 years. This is a new number one with, in a lot of ways, the classic take. Uh, Eric is a fourth century Visigoth. He used to be a prince. He's a warrior. He's got a fighty fighty. He was captured by aliens, kept in suspended animation, accidentally escaped with a sentient morphing battle armor, and has now returned to the year 2020 
with this sentient morphing battle armor and the attitude of a Visigoth. So it's an interesting issue uh, because I haven't read all the Exo Man of War like some people have, but I've read enough to remember previous stories. And this one starts with Eric arguing with his armor. And the armor kind of playing... Uh, do you remember when Jarvis was the voice of Iron Man's armor? Yeah. And he was voiced by, uh, what's his name with the head? Yeah. From A Knight's Tale? Yeah. It's kind of that. Eric Bethany, is like, ah. Oh. Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany, thank you. I was thinking Anthony Stewart head, and I knew that was wrong. But it's kind of that, where Eric is like, I'm going to smash everything. And the armor's like, I am not a podcast here to entertain you. And throughout the issue, we really do get kind of a buddy cop vibe uh, from the EXO relationship. And, of course, unlike some of the stories that I remember, he is essentially homeless, uh, lives in Harlem, kind of hangs out with local kids whose parents don't trust him. And at one point, a woman tells him, stay away from my kid. I don't trust you. You're a terrible guy. And he repays her by throwing her car into the East River. It's, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it because it is not what they would call your father's Exo Manowar. But in a lot of ways, it is. Uh, At one point, the armor keeps taunting him about, you need money to survive. So he flies off into the wilderness and kills and skins an animal to eat and roasts it in the back alleys of New York. And he's like, ha, I don't need your silly green paper. And of course, at the end of the issue, there is the introduction of a new threat, uh, equally powerful threat, something that might actually give him a run for his money. But a lot of it is kind of, a buddy cop paired with a fish out of water story. And it's okay, I guess. I mean, I like the art up to a point. I feel like the armor sequences and the battle sequences are really good. I feel like the facial expressions aren't, aren't what I want. They don't necessarily convey as much as I hoped with the exception of one very, very angry mom. And even that's kind of, over the top, sometimes it's hard to see, it's hard for them to convey the tone of what's happening. So Eric looks vaguely, I hate to say it like this, but he, he, he looks a little constipated most of the time. You can't tell if he's angry, you can't tell if he's triumphant, you can't really tell if he's worried, and maybe he's not, maybe that's the point. He's just a simple guy, goes from place to place, punches things really hard with his armor. I don't know, but... All in all, three slices of meatloaf for Exo Manowar. It's not a rush ride out in a buying frenzy, but it's an interesting start. It's a book that I wouldn't turn down, issue two and three, when they come around. I may not go seeking them out of my own accord, but I think if they show up and I go, oh yeah, I remember one was kind of okay. It's pretty good. It's an above-average solid book, so I think that's where we'll leave that. All right, very cool. Uh, We'll continue on uh, with a uh, book that comes out next week. No One's Rose from Vault Comics. We haven't done a lot of Vault Comics stuff in a while, and we're uh, just keeping it with the within the V publishers right now. Yeah, No One's Rose, number one, is a post-apocalyptic story. Um, pretty interesting. Uh, so post-apocalyptic stuff, it's like, for me, it's like simultaneously, I'm very interested, and it's just like a huge red flag, right? Because 
I've I've read there's like almost no in between. It's like a good post-apocalyptic story is like really good, and a bad post-apocalyptic story is like, why do I read things? I'm going to just stop. <laughs> right. So uh, going into this with some trepidation, I am happy to report that it's okay so far. We'll see where it goes. Um, uh, this is the story of some humans that live in a domed city uh, because the environment outside is very dangerous. Uh, you have to go out in like basically uh, environmental suits. And even those suits won't hold up to like the worst that the uh, climate and, and uh, precipitation and stuff has to, has to do. So um, it's also the story of a pair of siblings. Uh, one of them who is like, yay, the state, and another one who is like, ah, fight the power. Um, and as of the end of this, it's not clear which one of them is the stupid one, uh, which is interesting, but also kind of rare. Usually uh, these kind of stories, uh, I, I assume, use the post-apocalyptic stuff as sort of like a setting, like... Um, you know, like the tripod trilogy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Or, or something like that, where it's like, yes, obviously the tripods are very important, but this is uh, uh, an adventure story and like we're saying something about society here. So uh, maybe it's because it's the very first one and you have to establish this world and what's going on. And they do a good job of that. Um, this is uh, Zach Thompson and Emily Horn writing. Um, they do a good job of, of sort of giving you the feel of this world. Um, and, um, also, uh, Alberto Jimenez Albuquerque, uh, the, the artist does a really fantastic job. Uh, character design is great. Action is great. Um, I'm, I'm actually very, very happy art wise, uh, with this. Um, I'm, you know, just having read it, I was kind of slowing down at some points, like kind of. Uh, losing interest here and there, uh, but really the art uh, kind of kept me going. Uh, so I'm interested to see where this goes. And honestly, it's worthwhile for the art. The character design is very good. Um, I'm interested to see more flora and fauna in this world because they keep talking about like the how necessary certain plants are. So I, you know, I'm, I'm curious. I'm interested. I, I'm going to give it three and a half slices of meatloaf. Uh, check it out. Um, again, it's I, I would say it's worth picking up just for the art. All right. Very cool. Uh, let's bring it a little closer to home with a comic book that arrives in stores this week. It's the Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number four from Boom Studios. Oh, this is the moment, Matthew, that everyone's been waiting for where we actually get to see the turtles. Turtle morph. Turn into the Power Rangers. Yes, they get their own... Uh, Morphin suits and they get all the little weapons and they're trying to take down a giant monster that's storming through uh, New York City. And it's a very, very cool. Meanwhile, the Power Rangers, because they don't have their coins, uh, they can't turn into Rangers. And uh, Shredder is there to uh, not Shredder. Um, what's his name? The, the Casey the, Jones. No, no, no. The rat. Um, oh, Splinter. Splinter is there to give them words of advice that. Hey, you are who you are because you're good at what you do. So be good at what you do kind of speech. And so they all turn into ninjas and they bust into the, uh, into the terror drome and, uh, and they beat up a bunch of uh, foot soldiers. And so we get, you know, switching roles, getting some fun action there. And then at the end, 
Rita Repulsa and uh, Shredder decide that it's time to t- kick things up a notch and they unveil, I don't know what to call them, the, the foot putties or the putty foots. A combination, the basically the combination of both of them together. And, and we get to see two classic turtle villains turn into giant monsters, which means the turtles have to get into their giant megazords and turn into a giant robot and get ready to fight. And that's where the issue ends. And it's really good. I was uh, delightfully surprised at how well these two properties merge with one another. Uh, I was, it was, it's nice to see April O'Neil. She gets to be the, be the pink ranger in this. It's nice to see everybody has a role. Uh, my one drawback that was uh, something that I didn't really care for was the art is really good, but it was maybe a little bit too super stylized anime for me, uh, kind of in its feel. Not that there's anything really wrong with that, but sometimes the action gets really dis- stretched and distorted and it made it hard to kind of follow who was who at times. Still a very good, very good uh, issue. If you have not been reading this, go back and get the other, excuse me, the other three issues in this. And then make sure you get uh, Mighty uh, Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number four. It's out this week and I'm giving it four slices of meatloaf. So good. It was so fun. I really enjoyed it. I think you will too. So there you go. You know what else you will enjoy? Keeping your Keeping your feet dry during this, uh, during these rainy seasons. I mean, we've had cloud and rain probably for about a week, uh, even if it's just little mist. And you don't want to go outside and have your, your feet get cold. You don't want to ha- go outside and not be without an umbrella during this springtime. And that's why you need to go to totes.com. Totes.com has all this gear that you need to keep your head dry, to keep your feet dry, to keep your hands uh, warm during this time that you're going out. And you can get a discount when you enter the code MAJOR at checkout. What kind of discount? A 25% discount. When wow. you, well, yeah, that's right. When you use a the major checkout code. Discount. That's right. Major, M A J O R. Not major spoilers, but just major at checkout at totes.com. 25% off. Thank you for your support on that. Let's talk some Atomic Robo, one of my favorite comic book characters of all time. And this time we're looking at some B sides, some little short stories that are just there. These aren't collected in any book. Uh, that I'm aware of. So these only reside on atomic-robo.com uh, for people to check out. And we've got three interesting stories. We have The City of Skulls, Revenge of Dr. Dinosaur, and Bug Hunt. And we might as well just do these in order. City of Skulls, and I read this thing when it originally came out on the website, and I was confused because I was like, do they have these pages out of order? And then I read it again this weekend as a prep, and I was like, man, this story just seems weird and, and out of order. And I kept reading it, and I'm not sure that I, that I understand what's going on here in this story. After multiple times of reading this, there's something in here that feels disconnected. It really does. And I'm not sure why. Because, I mean, it starts pretty straightforward with, uh, you know, the Crimson Dynamo running around an abandoned city in Siberia and Robo showing up. But... I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure what happened in it. I think it looks great. I really I mean, love I think, the armor. I think the end implication, I think the implication at the end is whoever is creating these radioactive robots mm-hmm. is actually putting people inside of them. And that's why the robot saw the little, little doll 
and there's probably a little girl trapped inside, or at least her mind is trapped inside that robot. But the sequence in which the story is told and how Atomic Robo goes down into the city and blows things up and comes back out and doesn't make any sense. Rodrigo, can you make sense of this? Uh, I can't, but I just assumed it's because I don't remember the story that it's referencing. Uh-huh. So my thought was, is like, oh, this is actually like there's some story that has this robot, which I don't remember because I don't remember every Atomic Robo story we've read. Mm-hmm. And this book sent book ends it right, so that's where the time change is. Yeah, the the is like page one, it's nineteen ninety two, and then page two, it's nineteen sixty two. So this is like a book ends to that story, right? Um, so you know what happened to the red robot. But if if such a story in fact does not exist, then no, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, yeah. So that one's that one just. Even now, and I forget when this one came out a couple of years ago. When I read it, I was just like, mm, okay, they can't all be winners. And even today, I still have to sit there and go, yeah, this one's this one's not a winner. But you know what is a winner, Rodrigo? What? The Revenge of Dr. Dinosaur. Yep. That's a good one. <laughs> give, us, give us a rundown of why, why this is such a good one. So uh, this picks up after... Uh, a defeat of uh, Dr. Dinosaur by Atomic Robo, where he um, swears revenge. And then we see uh, each step of, his, of uh, Dr. Dinosaur's diabolical plan uh, as he gets all the parts that he needs to construct uh, the ultimate uh, tool of revenge against Atomic Robo <laughs> and, and succeeds and then actually builds it. And it has the, the intended effect. Um, it, it is a computer that just spams Atomic Robo's email box or all of Tesla Dine's email boxes. Yep. Yes. It's the revenge by spam. I think it's perfect. Yes. I, I think it's great because this whole time you see him going and procuring these high tech pieces and holding up uh, scientists and trying to, and you think that he's building this really incredible, in, intricate weapon. And, you know, he's just running all over the place and, you know, crazy uh, Dr. Dinosaur way with his eyes all a Google. And his, uh, you know, his arms all flailing out everywhere. And you're like, oh, my God, he must be building some wonderful contraption. And then in the end, it's just a it's just a computer and a server. That's, you know, he could have bought I mean, for, and, and, he could have bought for five hundred dollars. Presume. Well, that, or stolen that's, that's from that's fries is uh, Dr. Dinosaur has. So so two things. One, um, Dr. Dinosaur always does things very extravagantly so only the best tech will do mm-hmm. uh, and then the other thing is that presumably tesla dyne has some very good uh systems right sure, uh, like sure. very good computer systems possibly some designed by robo himself so dr dinosaur does need the latest most advanced like weaponized information technology to crack that right and he basically does it he basically or is it like denial of service is the entirety mm-hmm. of, uh, of Tesla dine. Yeah. Uh, there is a good series that's going on right now. I forget what it's called over at atomic robo where it's like doc, Dr. Dinosaur prepares t- uh, uh, dinner and he's cooking it on TV and he's like, yes, now all we need is the special ingredient interns. And then there's a guy running the cameras like, uh, me and then hilarity ensues. But, uh, I think anytime you see Dr. Dinosaur pop up and especially in between, uh, really heavy stories like, I don't remember if this one came out between uh, the uh, Golden Circle and the um, 
the Mechazords or whatever that they are uh, story that we re- reviewed recently. But you kind of need Dr. Dinosaur is a really good palate cleanser, right? Where it's just right. like, ah, give me that thing to lighten the mood after everything that we've gone through. And then it kind of resets your brain so you can get back into the next uh, Atomic Robo story. You, you giggled at this one a lot, Matthew. I did, because I just think that that is perfect revenge. And, you know, if I ever get mad at you guys, I'm going to do that. I'm going to spam you. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you will. Spam. I'm, I'm sure you will. Uh, so, again, this is a really short discussion this week, because these are sh- really short eight-page mm-hmm. eight page stories. All of this stuff could fit into a single issue. Because then we hit into the final one, which is Bug Hunt. And this one definitely takes place after the events of... Um, uh, I forget the the title, the one where they have the the ultra monsters running around because Tesladyne yeah. has been uh, seized, taken over by the government. Uh, you know, there is no longer a Tesladyne. And so Atomic Robo and the five or six people that are remaining of his crew end up buying this um, facility out in the in the uh, sand dunes of um, of New of, Mexico, of New Mexico, where yep. they tested all the atomic bombs. And they've just bought this abandoned facility and they need to go in and uh, poke around and see what works and what doesn't work, and more, most importantly, what was left behind from the last time people were there, Matthew. <laughs> well, the main thing that they find is a door to a basement that shouldn't be there, and in the basement, a giant freakish... I don't know if it's actually a bug or not. It's a thing. I'm sure it's an irradiated it's a, thing. It's an irradiated monster thing, an atomic re, uh, robo, and the scientist who I refer to in my head as Baldo... Uh, have to figure out a way to deal with this terrible irradiated creature. And it actually comes down to one of those wonderful indie ploy moments where Robo distracts it and the scientist runs off to steal a tanker truck to blow it up. And it has two really, really funny lines. The first one, of course, is they didn't cover carjacking in my science classes which i thought was nice yeah and then of course the final panel of sir richard branson thinks you should ask before you borrow things yeah that is that's really funny and again it goes back to something that i that i said um about atomic robo that i like a lot is that he interacts with uh real people you know whether that be you know trolling uh, bill gates is on sir richard branson a real people he, he's, a, he's a real per- people uh you know whether he's trolling bill gates on the moon or mars or whether he's you know, having a, a sit down with um, with, uh, you know, a, a famous scientist seeing Richard Branson pop up in here is really kind of nice. It also is a setup for what happens in the volume coming up next, because oh. Richard Branson is a huge. He's a huge pain in the butt for mm. uh, for the Tesla Dine people, because he's doing everything he can to get them shut down. All because of this little indiscretion of uh, of stealing the tanker truck to blow up a, a cave full of you know a sub basement full of monsters, right? Which you know, and, and, and this series really this this issue really comes off across a little bit as you, you need an aliens fix. Here's your aliens fix. Yeah, it's kind of like aliens by way of Scooby Doo because it is really more funny. It's a comedic kind of thing more than a terrifying we're all going to be eaten kind of thing. But it really does work on that level simply because of the fact that they're, you know, surrounded by whatever this thing is pretty much at all times. And I like the way that story plays out. It I don't know how much longer it is, but it feels much longer and much more, what's the word I'm looking for, satisfying, crunchy mm-hmm. than the, the other two chapters in yeah. this book. 
Yeah, and like I said, this one really does set up for the next story that all kind of takes place there at the new facilities. So yeah, and the art is always good in all of these stories, right, Rodrigo? Yeah, definitely. Um, so the the bugs are really cool looking, and uh, it's always nice to see uh, Doctor Dinosaur's demented cackling uh, <laughs> maw. I guess. Yeah, full of teeth. <laughs> is that what he sounds like in your head? I don't know. Because I hear Chris Latta as Starscream. Hmm. I guess... I hear uh, a lot of hissing. Yeah. When he turns. Chris Latta uh, with a lisp. Probably sounds like... Um, I don't know. I Like, I got a voice in my head, but I'm trying to, to think of who that who that sounds like. Yeah. I don't know either. It'd be interesting if they ever did something with these uh, this property beyond the comic books. I wish they would. Whether it be, I know they were working on uh, some fan-made animated series years ago, but I don't know what ever happened to that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, some fun adventures. And the best part is all of this stuff is free, right? You don't have to pay anything for this. Uh, you get it for free. The downside is we're not dealing with 6 to 12 issues, so our discussion is kind of over. I mean, bottom line for yeah. me on this is this is Atomic Robo. It, all this stuff, even when you hit something like the City of Skulls, which maybe doesn't work, it's still Atomic Robo, so it's like there's no such thing as bad pizza. It's still pizza, and it's good. Uh, so, you know, I, I say go check this out. It's free. You can go to the website and check it out for free. They're not asking you for any money. They're not putting this stuff behind a paywall. You just click through and, and read the comic books. It's free, people. Go and check that out. Yeah, Rodrigo, people. Go ahead. Uh, definitely. Um I feel like there are some arcs of Atomic Robo that are very heavy and very sort of lore-driven, and uh, especially the last one, I think the last one that we read, the Kaiju one, really mm -hmm. relies mm -hmm. on you Ring having... Ring of Fire, wasn't it? Something like that? Yeah, yeah Ring of Fire. It, it really one. relies on you having followed this story all the way through. Like, all of the major players are have been introduced in other places, and it just, like, kind of plops you down after some time traveling into this ongoing story. Um, and it is, I mean, it, it wasn't bad, but it requires a certain level of concentration from you. Mm -hmm. So it's actually nice to get these uh, little, I don't know, I guess hors d'oeuvres or, or dessert kind of mm -hmm. stories after that and, and preceding whatever comes next to, to kind of be like, okay, well, Atomic Robo, you can dial down, it's like, you know, it's like plot, action, and comedy, and you can dial any of them down to a certain degree, and it still works. So this dials down the plot significantly, and it's just kind of action and comedy for these little stories. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. Except for the robot one, which I guess was probably so plot-heavy that we just lost it. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, plot yeah. sunk down. Yeah. Yep. Matthew, what about you? Well, I think your your pizza metaphor is apt, but these stories are uh, pizza bagels, and mm -hmm. so you have to think uh, Robo in the morning, Robo in the evening, Robo at supper time. When Robo's on a bagel, you can eat Robo anytime. It's a different experience, but it's not a bad one. I feel like maybe I would have preferred for these to to be part of the big collections where you're mm -hmm. like, here's ring of fire and here's what happens at the end. Kind of a, you know, a sorbet to cleanse the palate. 
But I think they work pretty well together. And while I was confused, I think one of these about is a free comic book day story. I think it's the that could be it. Yeah, the Doctor Dinosaur. Doctor Dinosaur one is usually a free comic book day. Yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, I was confused as to why the Crimson Dynamo was walking around. But I also didn't necessarily complain about it because it looked really good. And sometimes when you're in a comic, you're like, I have no idea what's going on, but this is a fun ride, so I'm just going to go with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go, everybody. Free comics to fill up your eyeballs uh, and your and your hearts uh, during this time, and certainly uh, we enjoy reading these things, and we think you will too. And I think that you know, honestly, we don't have Ashley this week. She's working. Uh, fortunately, she's able to do, get some work done uh, when all the rest of Hollywood is shut down. So good for her. Uh, but I think that's where we're going to wrap it up. This issue. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. As always, we love to hear your feedback, so you can use the comments section at Major Spoilers to share your thoughts and reactions to the episode, or send us an email directly at podcast at Majorspoilers.com. And don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. We will be back next week because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.